Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome to a special uh, edition of our podcast. We're doing a season preview. Uh, we've got the NHL uh, Eve that we're doing this on. Uh, the games are going to start tomorrow, and then the Ducks are going to be in action on Saturday. So we're going to talk about each division, who we think is going to finish on the top, and uh, who may surprise us. We're also going to get caught up on some um, Ducks news in regards to the final roster, uh, how Silverberg's been doing after that uh, nasty hit he took, some coaching news, and then uh, NHL news as well around the league. Um, I guess let's go to the first uh, most recent event that happened. And, uh, Eddie, you know, I, I ended up going to the San Jose uh, Ducks' last preseason game and uh, turned out to be a wild one. Um, you know, the Ducks ended up prevailing in this one 5-1. to one. Uh, They were awarded uh, multiple power plays, and they ended up cashing in on a few of them. But the, the big story in this game was the Rafi Torres hit on Jakob Silverberg, which knocked him out of the game. And uh, Torres ended up, as we uh, put out there on uh, the blog and whatnot, uh, getting suspended for 41 games. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Eddie, as far as uh, the game and the hit? Yeah, you know, the, for the, the player of who it is and, and the type of, of player and, you know, the amount of times he's been suspended previously, and, you know, the, this isn't something that, that's too surprising. But, you know, for 41 games for, for a guy – who looks like may only miss one game, uh, even if if he doesn't, um, you know, even he might even start the the season opener. It, it's a, it's a really hefty suspension, but you know, for a guy like Rafi Torres, it, it's not it's not too surprising. And I'm sure if uh, you know Silverberg had been hurt longer or uh, you know more severely, and and you know even if the the hit had looked even worse than it did, then you could have seen him suspended for the whole season, if not more. Yeah, you know, and that was a reaction that we got from a lot of people on social media. A lot of people, when this came out and that he was suspended for half the season, I would say 75 to maybe 80, 90% of the response I got from the fans, not just Ducks fans, I'm talking fans around the league on social media responding to, you know, the article we put out and, and, and obviously other articles that people put out. They were actually, you know, ticked off. They thought that this should have been longer. Um, Thomas, what do you think? Do you think the 41 games was good, or do you think it should have been more? Like uh, a lot of people are suggesting the entire season. And personally, I would have loved to see him suspended longer just because that's the exact kind of hit we don't want. It's targeting the head. It's taking several strides um, before the hit just to launch at him and knocking a player pretty much completely out of the game. So I would love to see that hit be suspended for longer. Um However, 41 games is the longest suspension in league history for a violent hit. Um, so it's a step in the right direction. Uh, and also the thing that I like is because he's been suspended so many times now, I think this is his fifth suspension. Um, plus he has, I believe, uh, four fines in his career. Um, he's basically a pariah at this point. He's going to be a free agent this summer. And I really, really highly doubt anyone is going to risk signing him because if he does this kind of act again, his suspension will probably be for at least a full season, and no one wants to have that kind of player on their roster. So I think he's pretty much done in the NHL after this year because of the suspension. You know, and that's a, a good point. You know, we talked about that before we started this podcast about what would San Jose do, and I, I put that out there on Twitter too. You know, that they need to uh, figure out something uh, PR-wise to fix the team. Uh, Adam, what do you think as far as Torres? Do you think that they sent him down to the AHL? 
uh, maybe and just keep him there till the end of the season? Or what are your thoughts on this? Um, I got to say, I agree with just about everything Thomas said, except I, it still wouldn't surprise me if a team took a chance on him. You know, I, I liken him to uh, Matt Cook from a couple years ago. Uh, with everything that he did and all the, the suspensions and the dirty hits, and, and yet he still had a job in the NHL after uh, effectively ending Mark Savard's career. So as much as I'd like to see Rafi Torres become like a career AHL or, or leave the league entirely, I, I just don't see it happening yet. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I, I think that that's happened before. I mean, in the case that you, know, you mentioned in point, and um, I, I really hope it doesn't. Uh, I mean, I'd rather see him just be done this season. Um, you know, it, it's just done. You know, this is a league where this type of behavior, you know, with him, uh, he had nine times before been involved in something like this where it resulted in a penalty, a hearing, or some kind of a suspension. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, they talked about it. He wasn't a repeat offender because of the uh, the last time he hit Jared Stoll was over 18 months. But obviously they factored all that in. Not for the uh, the penalty or financial assessment, but obviously for the length of time. Um, and it, it, to me, I'm just I'm just done. And I think everybody in the league is done. So, you know, Eddie, um, I, I hope he's gone. But uh, what do you think? Like Adam said, you, you think another team might take a chance on him? Yeah, you know, I, there's definitely the possibility. He, he mentioned Matt Cook, and and I can definitely see that sort of situation happening. You know, if he proves to them that. You know, he's a different type of player. Obviously, Matt Cook isn't isn't the same type of player. You know, you see flashes of it here and there, but he's not he's not the same type of player he was, um, you know, before. And you know, that that could be a possibility. But you know, they're they're obviously making an, an example out of him with this 41 game suspension. And and I, I find it hard to to see any team you know thinking about touching him after this. Yeah, and a big thing for people that if they don't know uh, what happened with Silverberg is that night uh, Bruce Brujo um, said that he was okay. But what actually happened this last week, I talked to a source, uh, a family source close to Silverberg that told me he went through concussion testing the last couple of days. He was actually cleared today, um, you know, on uh, Tuesday today, that um, he was able to go back to practice uh, and he'll be back there on Thursday. But Thomas knows a little bit about the uh, concussion testing. And can you talk about that a little bit, Thomas, some of the stuff that Silverberg probably had to go through over the last two or three days? So my experience with uh, NHL concussion protocol is at this point outdated by about seven or eight years. But um, as recently as 0607, I was uh, I had access to some of the NHL concussion tests they would do. Um, and most of them were pretty basic tests. Um, they were memory tests. There were spatial awareness tests. Um, there were tests where they would um, have a pl- where they would give the player um, just a letter, and then have the player in a set amount of time list off as many words as possible as they could think of. Um, so all very basic, easy tests. That basically it's the test designed to give a player a baseline. Sorry, to give the doctor a baseline, and then if a player is ever hit in the head again, um, as Silverberg just was, they'll go back and they'll retake the test. And they are not allowed to play until they basically reach the score they had gotten when they were supposedly healthy. Um, so in Silverberg's case, he would have taken the test uh, most likely in his rookie season in Ottawa um, several years ago. And then when he arrived in Anaheim, he may have taken the test again or a new one, um, depending upon how the team's uh, protocols differed. Um, and then after that hit, they would have had him retake those tests. And as long as he was reaching the scores that he had hit um, when he initially took the test, then he'd be cleared to play again. 
which is, you know, obviously what happened today. So he's back. He'll be fine, at least for what we know now, which is good, uh, you know, considering obviously what happened. I mean, I was kind of glad I, I wasn't going to go to the game originally. I had actually given away the tickets, as you guys know, and then I found out the game wasn't on TV. So my wife and I were like, hey, let's just go uh, watch it. So I, I was actually kind of glad because it, it was a pretty, uh, you know, interesting game. And uh uh, I, I was kind of worried going into this game, and the reason why I was worried about this game—I mean, I didn't think something like this would happen, obviously—but I was worried about this game because uh, San Jose had played the night before. They decided to rest a lot of their players. They brought up nine guys from the AHL and they put them in, and you know they're going in, you know, playing uh, the Kings uh, this coming this week for their opening game. Uh, and the Ducks aren't playing till Saturday. So they had a whole week, and the Ducks put in most of their star players. So you had these star players in, and the Sharks had, you know, the, the young and upcoming guys. And if you notice in the first period, um, if you listened, I know most of you didn't go to the game, it was on TV, but if you listened to it at least, or if you were there with, like I was, the, the Sharks were taking runs. They were taking runs at, at the Ducks uh, in that first period uh, because they got another major when they uh, uh, boarded uh, Pat Maroon. Um, and I was also head contact. So I was kind of worried about that. I, I didn't like the, the way that that game went. I mean, obviously we won, so I was happy about that, of course. But, I, I mean, there's something to be said for that. You know, Adam, when they uh, played in that game and you see the other lineup with a bunch of young, hungry kids, you got to know that they're going to be flying around the ice like that. Um, I mean, I was surprised, not you know, that it was more Torres than anything, but um, it's definitely something maybe to be you know more cautious of in the preseason. What do you think, Adam? Uh, I agree. You know, it's definitely something to worry about. Um, I don't want to say that you know any coach or any anybody in management of San Jose Sharks would specifically order uh, players to go headhunting for the Ducks. Uh, I'm not saying they're a bad organization or anything like that. I am saying though that you know. When you have guys who are trying to make an impression on a team and they're playing a rival team, and this could be their last chance for regular season, they have to take a chance. And so they, uh, I'd say, be a little more desperate when it comes to uh, getting um, noticed. And so taking these big hits, especially against a rival team, you know, I, I'm not against that. But when it, it gets out of hand, which it definitely did in the game, uh, it suddenly becomes very dangerous uh, for our team. Yeah, exactly, and, that, and that's that's what I was concerned about. Is like you said, you got young guys; they want to take a chance, which everybody understands. Especially in the final preseason game, you're getting called up. It's a rivalry team, so that makes sense. But I did like the way, uh, you know, a lot of people complain about the refs, but I do have to give the refs credit in this game because they actually called the two major penalties right away. They gave Torres the match penalty, and they kind of—I mean, the the Sharks still played tough throughout the game but they really sent a message to them in the first period to knock this you know what off so from that aspect i was happy so um you know it's just i'm just glad that silver it's okay we know torres is gone so um everything's good for now uh i we haven't heard if torres is going to appeal yet or not i haven't heard anything i don't know if he will but if he does i'm sure he'll probably lose but uh in any event the uh, the ducks ended up uh, finalizing their roster and uh, we talked about this last time, Eddie, and uh, we were talking about it coming down to a final decision. And um, we talked about it on the, on the last time about Thompson, but we didn't really mention this. But what ended up happening with the roster is you can designate somebody to the IR or the injured reserve. So Thompson goes out in the IR, 
and the Ducks are able to bring in uh, Wagner and Manson, which you know obviously a lot of you guys know are two of my favorite young guys. But uh, what did you think, Eddie? Um, pretty good move. You excited about it? Um, what do you think with the Ducks' final roster? Yeah, you know, obviously once the the long term injury reserve kicks in, then then Thompson frees up that roster spot that that we didn't talk about last week, but. Um, now you see Manson and Wagner probably starting the season, you know, depending on, on if all the other six defensemen are healthy and, and same with the forwards as the 13th forward and, and the seventh defenseman, you know, that that's what you would at least expect them to start as. Um, I believe Manson has a, has a better chance of, you know, possibly tossing out a, a stoner for a spot or if Dupre is not a, 100% healthy, then he could, you know, get a spot there as well, but you know, I, I definitely think he has a better chance, uh, you know, based on his preseason play and, and how the you know defense situation is panning out. But you know, on, on forward, I, I think Wagner has a tougher, uh, you know, a, a tougher chance of of getting a, a you know full time roster spot. He might check in 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 a few games where they decide to, you know, bring in size and physicality over speed. Um, but no, it's definitely going to be tough for him to to crack the lineup this year. Yeah, I have to agree, and uh, you know, Thomas, you follow a lot more of the prospects and whatnot uh, amongst all of us. What are your thoughts as far as the forward situation? Like Eddie talked about, uh, you know, the Ducks have a lot of centers. You have Getzloff, you have Horkoff, you have Kessler, you have Raquel, you have Santarelli. Um, you know, obviously Horkoff and Santarelli can play wing and center, and so can Wagner. Um, what do you see as you know in terms of the uh, the forward situation? And I think the Ducks have at forward a very very deep team. Um, both in Anaheim and in San Diego. They've got a couple of four prospects in San Diego who, if the Ducks were not as good, would be in the answer right now. Nick Ritchie, Stefan Nason, Max Freeberg. If this was Buffalo, if this was Toronto, if this was Carolina, they would probably be in the NHL right now. Um, so the Ducks' depth is going to be one of their greatest strengths. Um, and my personal preference is if, you, if there's one position to load up on in terms of forward depth, it's going to be center. Someone's going to get tossed out of a face-off circle. Someone's going to be stuck out there for an icing. If you have a PK, you want to have two centers on the ice. Um, so more, the more centers, the better. So you've got Getzlaff, Kessler, Kel, Santorelli, Horkaff, Wagner. They can all take a draw. They can all win a draw in all three zones, and they're all going to contribute in multiple in a multitude of ways. Um, I think both Wagner and Manson were the right, were the correct rookies to keep on the team. Um, as you guys mentioned uh, on last week's show, I believe, Manson has just had an absolutely fantastic camp. Um, he's played with Vatman, he's played with Fowler. Uh, I think he even saw some time with the Prey, although I'm not positive of that. Um, and he's looked very, very good. Uh, last year, when he was called up by the Ducks, he had a stretch of games where he played very good, but he seemed to tire out the longer he was with the Ducks. Um, another year older, another year wiser. I'm hoping that's going to happen a lot less now, and he's just going to go on the ice and be a very good, solid contributor. Um, he's going to fight with Stoner for that sixth spot, um, and depending upon if the Ducks need the large body of Stoner or the skating ability of Manson, I think will dictate who gets in uh, on any given night. Um, like you said, Wagner's going to have a little more time cracking the lineup because the Ducks are so deep, but when they need um, a fourth line that can just go out there and hit everything that moves, he'll be in there, Jackman will probably be in there, and Korkoff will probably send them, and they'll just go on the ice and run over the opposition, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> and speaking of fun to watch, you know, we saw Wagner uh, basically take out Lucic in the last game against the Kings. We saw Manson fight uh, Lucic. So I know the uh, Eddie and I talked about this. The uh, you know both of them welcomed uh, Lucic to the Ducks Kings rivalry, which I was just cracking up watching that game. I, that got me uh, excited. So 
I think you're right on that point. Um, as far as the center uh, situation goes, you know, Adam, this is going to be huge because if the Ducks want to play uh, six centers, they can. They can play two centers on the third line and two centers on the fourth line, which we all know is pretty much interchangeable in terms of ice time with Boudreaux. But um, it's going to be huge. It's going to be a big advantage for the Ducks, Adam. I completely agree once again. You guys are saying all the uh, things I like to hear. Um, I think having also a great mix of veteran centers and then younger centers is, is pivotal. You know, you have Chris Wagner, but then you also have Sean Horkoff, who can really teach him a thing or two. You have Ricard Raquel, but you also have Nate Thompson. I mean, it's not just that we have great depth center-wise, but we have um, the the older guys who are patch, passing, eh, passing the torch to the younger guys, and that is just great to see. And it's uh, it leads to a great season this year and then a great future for us when the young guys step up and assume those roles. You know, you, you do bring up a good point, too. You know, Eddie, talking about this, I mean, think about it. You have the the veteran leadership on the team now, uh, and obviously we brought in Horkoff and Bieksa, some other players that have been in some of the battles and some of the wars. So that's a huge added, added bonus to have a, a mix of veterans and young guys. I, I think the Ducks brought in some of the right veteran players that we needed, but I think they also kept some of the youth that we needed, Eddie. Yeah, and you know, you look at the you know previous championship teams and, and the veterans they've had, and you know Michael Rosewall was a uh, on the championship team for for Chicago, and he wasn't even playing. You know, he was scratched, he was injured, but they had him in the dressing room. And they said, you know, him being in that dressing room yeah. and, and being a leader was you know was more valuable than even having him on the ice. And you know that that even you know that could attribute to here. The more leaders you bring in, the more guys who've been there and done that. You know that that rubs off on the younger guys, and, and you know that it. it just wills them to get it done, and I think you know bringing in Horkoff and and Santarelli even you know and all these guys that you know maybe they haven't been to the Cup final, but they they've been around the league for such a long time that you know their 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 experience and their wisdom is is invaluable. Yeah, and you know speaking about uh, wisdom and experience, uh, Nate Thompson's going to be due to come back uh, end of November, beginning of December. Um, you know, Thompson, we talked about this. When Nate Thompson comes back, what what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the Ducks would send Wagner down, or do you think they send a winger down? How do you think that they'll deal with this? Because at that point, they're going to have to. You know, they're at the 23-man roster count now. Um, obviously, things can happen. We've talked about this, injuries and whatnot. But, uh, you know, saying going forward, if there's still this roster at that time when Thompson comes back, what, do you, what would you do for the Ducks um, as far as sending somebody down? So Wagner would appear to be the odd man out. Um, the problem with him is he is a very good young player, and he would have to go through waivers in order to be sent back down. Um, and I think the odds of him being claimed midseason uh, would be very, very high. So I don't think the Ducks would want to. Um, ideally, I think what the Ducks would want to do probably is possibly send Manson down since he doesn't currently have to go through waivers um, and use the top six of the extent to pray, Fowler, Glenholm, Stoner, Motman. Um and only has six defensemen, but because we have San Diego so close, if someone gets hurt, you can call Manson up, you can call Theodore up, you can call someone up really fast, really quick, and be in Anaheim in, you know, an hour or two. So that might be the hope, just because they don't want to expose Wagner to waivers. But this is also, of course, assuming that no one at that time is hurt. And, you know, we've seen the Ducks over the last several seasons go through some major injury issues. 
So I think the odds are very, very high that at least one player, whether it be a forward defenseman or even a goalie, um, is injured by November, December, early January, whenever Thompson is able to get healthy and get back on the roster. So that might not be... I think it's a very good chance it's not going to be an issue when that happens, but I think most likely it would be Manson because the Ducks don't want to lose Wagner for nothing. And then, of course, the other possibility is they could try and make a deal. If, let's say, Santorelli is not working out, but um, Stewart is looking great, maybe they try and trade Santorelli for a pick. Or if Stewart's not working out, but Santorelli's playing great, maybe they trade Stewart for a pick. That always is another option for the team to do if they just really love Wagner's play. Yeah, you bring up good points on both. You know, obviously things can happen, and we'll have to see, you know, injury-wise. And like you said, if somebody's not doing as well, um, you know, there could be a trade or whatnot. You also bring up the goalies, and, you know, there wasn't really a surprise in the goalie situation. We had talked about this before, that Anderson and Hudobin would be in there. And for those of you that, you know, maybe didn't listen to the, the games or watch all the games that were on TV, uh, Hudobin's been phenomenal. I mean, he played in the two games, only gave him a goal in each game. He's looking really good. So, you know, Adam, I like Hudobin um, to be the backup to Anderson. I think he's going to push him. And uh, if somebody does get hurt, as, uh, you know, Tom has pointed out, we have Gibson in the minors. We can bring him up the freeway on the five or the train, and he'll be here also to back up the Ducks. Certainly will be. Um, I did not watch Kudobin much with Carolina at all. I did get to watch him with Boston, which is the team I watch, and I did get to see um, he certainly has what it takes. I think on any of the 30 NHL teams, he could be a solid backup. Um, that being said, I don't know much about his injury history, so it, it is really great. We are one of the most blessed teams that we do have John Gibson, and I, I would be shocked. I would be truly shocked if he did not spend at least um, at least five games with the Ducks, start five games with the Ducks this year, just to make sure he's still got it. Because, I mean, this is a guy who uh, shut out the Blackhawks last year in a game, won nothing uh, with the big team. So I don't think that having him spend the entire time in the AHL uh, will do. I think he needs to cut his teeth on a couple more NHL this, games this year, and I think... I think we'll see that. I don't know if it'll be early on or if it'll be later on or if it'll be due to injury, but I would be shocked if we didn't see Gibson uh, in Anaheim this year. You know, and speaking about being shocked, uh, Eddie, we, we, this had come up too, and this was actually a fan question. Uh, we had Brad asked us about Perry and Getzloff because they had played not on the same line, uh, you know, for this uh, preseason. We saw Haglin with uh, Getzloff and Stewart on the top line. Then you saw uh, Sekatch, Raquel, and Perry on the third line. Sometimes we also saw Perry on the second line. But what do you think about this? You know, this is a little bit of a surprise. We saw some of this last season, but only for a couple games. But uh, as some people are reporting, it looks like the Ducks might stick to this as the game plan to start the season. Yeah, and you know, it, it would be surprising because you've seen them on a line together for pretty much most of their careers, if not all of their career, and you know, barring a couple of occasions, but. You know, it, it does work, and, and you know the Blackhawks are, are a team you could look at to, to show that it does work. And they have Taves and, and Kane on separate lines on, on most occasions. You know, their their crop of forward depth um, might have been a little bit deeper last year. Obviously, having Hosa and, and Sharp before he got traded, and you know Brendan Saad as well. You know, top six quality guys that you can have on on, on either wing, but. You know, it, it wouldn't be such a bad idea to test it. You know, give it a, a couple games and see how it works out. Um, you know, we'd obviously love to have them on the same line, but you know, it, they'll they'll get pretty much the same uh, ice time if you put them on separate lines, and and that gives Bruce a 
a little bit more opportunity to to completely roll all four lines evenly and you know give a, maybe put a, a little bit of pressure off that first line. But I'd be surprised if if we went the whole season uh, with them being on separate lines. And Thomas, what do you think? Do you like them separate or not? I really like the idea behind it. Um, Getzloff and Perry are two of the elite producers in the NHL today, and we know what they can do together. And the Ducks are a good enough team where if one of Perry and Getzloff are struggling um, as they try out different line combinations, they're a team that can uh, afford to suffer through that for a short period of time. And if it doesn't work, the Ducks can just always come back together, and hey, that chemistry, that magic will still be there between the two of them. But I think if the Ducks could get balanced scoring through not just their top two lines like last year, but go back to being a three-line team or a four-line team like Rudeau's um, first couple seasons, I think they'll be even better. If you can get Perry and Raquel going as a pair, if they can get Fluff and Stewart going as a pair, um, I think that would give the Ducks so much flexibility. Because if they want, they can really load up and go with Getzloff Perry some nights, um, and then other nights they can split them up and just have teams not know what to do. So I think if this works out, it's a great move for the Ducks. If it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. They put Getzloff and Perry back together and let the rest of the line sort themselves out. And, uh, Adam, your final thoughts on, you know, splitting the twins up or uh, keeping them together, your thoughts? Uh, I really can't say until I see them in action, or I think I don't know how long Bruce would have this experiment going. I'd like to say that, you know, a good sample size would be about 10 games, but with Bruce it could be, two periods before he decides to put them back together. So. <laughs> you know, that is true. I mean, we're, we are going to have to wait and see. Like you said, we only saw a limited uh, amount in the preseason. Um, one uh, final note that uh, the Ducks did do is they did uh, sign assistant coach uh, Rich Preston, who, uh, not a lot, not a big name, but, uh, you know, Eddie, he's been on a couple teams, uh, Chicago, Calgary, San Jose. Uh, he went the distance a couple of the uh, – you know, seasons that he was with some of those teams. Um, you know, what do you think about the Ducks bringing him in and uh, kind of changing Scotty Niedermeyer's role a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly don't know too much um, about him and, and, you know, what kind of role he's going to have in the coaching environment. I, I'm, you know, I don't know if he's going to work in, in special teams or defense or offense, but, you know, bringing in a, another hockey guy and, you know, a guy who's been around uh, the league for as long as he has is definitely, you know, it's always an advantage. You brought in uh, Paul McClain this year and, you know, um, and, and, and having him with Boudreaux and now Preston is definitely going to, you know, it's, it's it's always an advantage bringing in another guy into the mix. Yeah, I think so, too. And he's got a lot of playoff experience, you know, uh, going deep some of the seasons, Thomas. We talked about that. How important do you think that is to help in the Ducks? I think the experience is great. Um, I think when we looked at it, he was with Calgary when they went to the finals and lost to Tampa. Um he was with Chicago when they lost to uh, Pittsburgh back in 91. So he's been around the league for a long time. Um, he knows how the game works. Uh, I, the thing I actually like the most about it is, is it's going to give um, Scott Niedemeyer more of a almost rover coach scouting role where he's going to have a lot of time to work with the young players um, on defense in both San Diego and Anaheim. Um, and I think it's just going to give him more flexibility to go between the two teams. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage to both Trey Theodore and Brandon Montour down uh, with the goals. Um, I think he'll probably spend a lot of time with those two players and the rest of that defense down there. Um, he'll also spend time at Anaheim, obviously, more, but I think it just gives him more flexibility on where he's going to be and how he's going to be able to help the team. Um, and for what he's done with Lindholm, with Fowler, with Lawton, it's been great. And now he'll be able to do that even more so with the players coming up. So I really like the move just because of that. 
Yeah, you know, Adam, we talked about that too, uh, you know, with San Diego and the Ducks and, you know, that going back and forth. Looks like uh, Niedermeyer's going to help out doing that. We've seen uh, Murray talk about doing that. You know, he said he's going to go down to San Diego during the week and see some of the practices down there. Um, how much do you like this move, you know, that obviously Murray and Niedermeyer are going to be basically helping the young guys and the current team? I think it, it answers a couple questions that I had. Um, you know, Perry and Getzloff and, and, and Kessler, now that he's a big part of our team, they are, you know, in their very early 30s. And so, you know, they're past their prime. Our cup window, so to speak, is is going to start fading eventually. I think this is a great um, step to prevent that from happening. You know, we don't want to win uh, just one cup this year or the next year or something and then go through another 10 years or so without a cup. We want to be able to put forth a competitive team that can win the division and get deep in the playoffs, not just the next five, six years, however long, you know, we have our, our core team together, but for the next decade or so, you know. Um, I think that this really, if this is something that we do for the rest of um, this year and next year, you know, to start a precedent here, I think we will see results three, four, five years from now. And you know, our cup window will still be open. Yeah, I agree with you. And Eddie and I talked about that too when uh, a couple factors came up when Kessler got his extension and uh, Silverberg got his uh, deal. And then obviously Hagman getting the long-term deal. Bieksa, all these moves, uh, San Diego and uh, whatnot, that um, Ducks fans, you can set your sights high. Uh, I really, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but the Ducks have a good chance not only to win one cup, but more than that. They really do. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just saying with all the things that are going on, the way things are going right now, there's a lot of positive momentum behind this team, and they have a good chance. Um, and this kind of brings us to our next uh, section of the podcast. We're going to talk about the other divisions and who, who we think is going to be the, you know, the tough teams uh, in each division. And obviously we're going to talk, we'll finish it off with the West, but we'll start out in the East and um, Eddie will go with the Atlantic Division first. And, and who do you think are the top couple teams um, and, and who may surprise you out in the Atlantic Division? Well, you know, to look at this division, you'd have to say it, it is one of the weaker uh, divisions or, or the you know, a division that has a possibility for, you know, a couple teams to surprise as well. But you, know, you, you look at the top two teams and it's the same as last year. Montreal and, and Tampa Bay, are, you know, there's... There's pretty much, you know, barring a, a big surprise or, you know, a big, you know, failure by, by the, the, the those two teams, you'd expect them to be the top two. But, you know, after that, you know, last year it was Detroit and Ottawa. Boston just missed out. Florida also just missed out. And, you know, I think it's a battle between those four teams to make it. I mean, Florida's on the up and up. Barkov and, and Huberto are set for another two big years. Uh, Ekblad coming off a, a Calder Trophy win, he's going to have another great season, and you know if he can avoid the sophomore slump, and you know Boston coming off a, a big exodus in, in, in the draft, uh, trading off Lucic and, and a couple other guys as well, so they're going to have to look for a rebound season and, and hope that they can score some goals. And you know Detroit, this could be the year that they they finally don't make the playoffs. Uh, they're, they're still moving in into the youth and you know, starting the season without Datsuk as well. Um, and then you know the Senators is, uh, are a team that could still fight. They just made the playoffs last year, and you know I expect them to be around the same position um, as they were. And you know then you can't really forget the Sabres either. Obviously, second overall pick Jack Eichel um, is going to have his bid at the Calder Trophy, uh, fighting with McDavid and you know bringing in, in Evander Kane, Cody Franzen, 
uh, Ryan O'Reilly playing with Tyler Ennis. You know, they're, they're going to be a really surprising team, and you know, a lot of people are picking them to be the the big surprise of this season. You know, maybe like Calgary, like the Calgary Flames. Uh, I find it hard for for them to make the playoffs, but you know, I, they they have a good chance with if if they can get a, get off to a roll in the beginning, and and if Robin Lehner can be that that number one guy for them, they have definitely have a chance. And you know, <laughs> then it comes down to Toronto, and I think this is the only team in this division where you wouldn't be surprised to, to see them not make the playoffs. I, I mean, you know, to, there's, they're in a, a big overhaul as well after after trading Phil Kessel and, you know, focusing on, on youth but not bringing a lot of them in, into the lineup. You know, the, this would be the team you would expect to finish last in the division. Yeah, I, I agree with actually everything you said on there. Uh, and I, I do think Buffalo is the my pick uh, for the surprise team in this division. Uh, like you said, Montreal and Tampa Bay at the top for sure. Uh, Thomas, what are your thoughts on the Atlantic? Um, I agree with what you guys just both said. Um, my top three teams for the Atlantic this year are um, Tampa Bay, Montreal, and Detroit. Uh, Tampa, they have just so much star power, and as long as these Tampa Coast negotiations don't become a huge distraction, they, to me, are the best team in this division, if not in that conference. Uh, Montreal, they have the <clears> best goalie in the world right now in Carey Price. Um, and they have P.K. Subban, um, one of my favorite defensemen in the league. Their forwards aren't great, but their defense and their goaltending is just superb. And then Detroit, to me, they just are so good year in, year out. Um, this year, though, if Zetterberg and Datsuk um, both miss a lot of time, I think they will struggle. I still think they're a good enough team that have a shot at least at the wildcard spot, but I think they are the third best team in that division. Um, after that, this division gets really murky. Uh, Boston... Ottawa, I could see them going 4-5. I could see them both in the playoffs, both out of the playoffs. Um, Florida, they've got a young up-and-coming team. We saw what they did with us last season. Um, Nick Bustad is going to be a top center for them this season. Uh, Aaron Ekblad had a great rookie season. And they are a team that could really, really scare a lot of teams, I think. Um, and then, of course, Buffalo. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they will be substantially better from their 54-point season last year. Um, I mean, last year they were just god-awful, but they've got Eichel now. They have Ryan O'Reilly. They picked up um, so much good young talent over the last couple of years. Where They've got, um, I think they'll be one of the most improved teams. Um, I don't think they make the playoffs, but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And outside of the Ducks, I usually pick four or five teams to watch as much as possible this year. And um, Buffalo is uh, my number two team this year to watch after the Ducks. And Tampa will be number three just because both are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, Adam, what do you think about the Atlantic Division? Uh, just like you guys, the, the top two, I think that's the only thing that's definitely set in stone. It's going to be Tampa Bay or Montreal. I don't want to say one over the other. Um, both teams are excellent in their own respect. Tampa Bay has that, that offense that you just can't stop. Uh, Montreal has that wall of defense and, and carry price that you just can't get past. Both teams are going to do excellent, just, just like last year. After that... Um, you know, Detroit, you want to say that they'll make it, but uh, with Datsuk out and then so many questions, um, so many younger guys stepping up, which is good to see if you're a Detroit fan, but I don't know if they're going to make it this year. Florida, I, I'd like to see them make it just because they're a smaller market team and kind of in Tampa Bay shadow right now. Um, Boston Bruins, they've taken a step back. I'm, I just don't see them making it. I'd like to see them make it. I don't see it, though. Ottawa Senators... I think that they would be a wild card spot team kind of thing. 
Uh, I don't just kind of like last year. I don't see them doing much better than that. And then uh, there's some other team there called the Toronto Maple Leafs or something. I don't know. They they're just they're irrelevant. They've been irrelevant for a long time, uh, which is kind of sad. But I, I don't see any difference this year. Harsh. Ouch! Ouch! This predator. But true. This predator nature's coming out. No. Um, <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's switch over to the Metro, Eddie. And what do you think of the Metro? Who do you like, and who may surprise you in that division? The 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 Metro is is sort of similar to the the Central in the Western Conference, where you know pretty much every team has a chance of making the playoffs. You know, I I don't think Carolina's good enough yet, and and you know New Jersey's probably going to be worse than they were last year, but. You know, the, the Rangers are still going to be really good. I mean, Lundqvist is one of the top goalies in the league, and they have you know great depth at defense. And, and you know, uh, you know, if Nash can do what he did last year, there's there's a good chance they finish close to the top. But I actually think it, it's Washington that that will probably win this division. Uh, you know, obviously Ovechkin and then picking up T.J. Oshie and Justin Williams and Kuznetsov will be in his you know his uh, second season, I believe. And you know, Burakovsky if he steps up, they they have a lot of depth on forward and. You know, if they can solve some of their defensive issues uh, with the loss of, of Mike Green, then uh, I, I think they'll be okay and they can top that division. And, you know, obviously the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, you'd have to pick as, as third team, picking up Phil Kessel. And if he plays either with Crosby or uh, with Malkin, either or, he, he's going to score a lot of goals this year. And you know, they're, they're going to scare a lot of teams. They're going to put up some, some high scores in, in, in a lot of games. And, you know, Fleury's... Usually, consistently a, a strong goalie in the season. So if, if he can stay strong, then you know there shouldn't be any issues there. And then, you know, after that, fighting for the fourth and fifth spot, uh, you know, the Islanders are going to be a good team with John Tavares. And you know, if uh, Ocposo can ignore the distraction of being in a contract year, you know, I think if they play in a, a line, it's going to be a scary line to play on as well. And you know, the Blue Jackets are, are the team I think that could surprise a lot of people. You know, I know a lot of people. I don't think that they're going to be good this year, and I think that they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. You know, again, like they did two seasons ago, um, adding Brendan Saad from from Chicago and and playing on a line with uh, Ryan Johansson and Nick Foligno is it's going to be one of the top uh, lines in the league this year. And you know, they showed that in uh, in preseason, uh, scoring 11 points in in one game. So you know, between that line, it, it's going to be pretty scary. And you know, then there's the the three teams that. You know, we'll, we'll most likely miss the playoffs. Uh, you know, the the Flyers are still looking, uh, you know, to have some turnover on defense. They they just waived Andrew McDonald and sent down most of their rookies to either the AHL or to the minors. So they're still looking for some turnover on, on defense. And you know, obviously having Claude Giroux and 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 Voracek, uh, you know, doesn't hurt. But I think they're going to struggle to to fight for a playoff spot. And you know, and then you get down to the the two teams at the bottom I mentioned earlier and. And the Devils, are, you know, Camilleri, I don't think he's going to be able to score enough goals, and, and Schneider's not going to be able to win enough games for, for them to even really, you know, battle for a playoff spot. And, you know, the Hurricanes, um, if, if Jeff Skinner can bounce back, if, if Eric Stahl can bounce back, if, if Cam Ward can bounce back, and if Noah Hannafin can be like Aaron Ekblad, they might have a chance. But I think there's too many ifs in there for, for them to really, you know, battle for a playoff spot. Yeah, I kind of think you hit the nail on the head in this division. Uh, for me, the two teams I really want to watch are going to be Washington and Pittsburgh for all the above reasons you stated. I think those two are going to, you know, have some uh, definite high-scoring, you know, back-and-forth type games. Um, I do like Columbus with their improvements. I think that they are the team that could come into that wild-card spot and, and surprise. 
And, um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough year for Philly, New Jersey, and Carolina. I mean, that's just – sorry, guys, but those of you in the, for those teams, um, it, it's going to be a rough haul uh, going into uh, this next season. Um, Thomas, what are your thoughts on the uh, Metropolitan? So it will not surprise me in the slightest if the Metropolitan sends five teams to the playoffs and only three from the Atlantic just because I think the Metropolitan division is so much deeper than the Atlantic is. Um, for me – I think Washington, the Rangers, and Pittsburgh are the class of that division, and I think all three are going to be um, Stanley Cup contenders this season. Um, Washington, you've got Ovechkin and Backstrom on that first line. You've got Kuznetsov, who is looking fantastic in the preseason. And they have Braden Holtby, who um, is one of my favorite players in the league, and he just became an elite goalie last year. And if he can maintain that level of play, I think they will win this division. Um, the Rangers won the President's Trophy last year. I don't think they'd be as good. Um, but they're still a very, very good, very, very deep team. You've got Henrik Lundqvist. They will win a lot of games because of that man alone. And then Pittsburgh, adding Phil Kessel makes them more offensively, makes them even better offensively, which is a scary, which is scary to think about. Um, I was actually in North Carolina over the weekend. I went to a preseason game between Pittsburgh and Carolina, and I got to see Crosby and Kessel play together. And while they didn't do anything offensively to put points on the board, there were a couple of plays where I was like, wow. They haven't put it together quite yet, but once they do, they're going to be really, really scary to watch. Um, and then after those three teams, um, I think both the Islanders and Columbus have an excellent chance of making the playoffs. Uh, John Tavares is one of the top centers in the league today and is arguably the best contract in the league. Um, Halak is a very, very good goalie, and I just like what they've been doing over the last several years. I think they will probably be in the playoffs. Um, I had Columbus in the playoffs a year ago, but... They had so many injury issues that it just derailed their entire season. Um, they were more banged up than the Ducks were last season. That's how bad things were there, and to even more important players. Um, and yet, they still went on a great run at the end of the season and gave it a shot. Um, so I if, I would not be surprised to see all five of those teams in the playoffs this season. Um, Philadelphia, they're going to struggle at times, but I mean, they have Voracek, they have Giroux, and they have Mason in that. They are not a bad team. I just think the rest of the division is that much better. But if anyone gets injured or just stumbles out of the gate, it wouldn't shock me to see Philly move into that top five. Um, and then, unfortunately, as you said, both New Jersey and Carolina, they're going to struggle this season. Um, I think we're going to start seeing the fire cell in Carolina. I think Eric Stahl is going to be traded. I think Cam Ward's going to be traded. And I think they're going to go into a full rebuild mode this year. So the Carolina Coyotes, huh? Maybe that will be. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Adam, what do you uh, think on the Metropolitan? I think the Caps have this one in the bag already. I mean... Ovechkin, legitimate superstar. I mean, like, perhaps the top superstar in the NHL. Uh, Braden Holtby, he he proved that he can perform at the elite level. I don't think he will regress that much at all this year. Uh, and then you've got, you know, a, a little deeper of a team now than they've been in the past couple of years. You know, you have uh, Justin Williams, you have TJ Oshie, you've got uh, Kuznetsov and Burakovsky. Um, they did lose Mike Green, but I don't think that'll be that big of a deal. I, I do see them winning the division. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, that's just scary. You got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who are just world-class talent already. And then you throw in Phil Kessel and Patrick Hornquist and uh, uh, Chris Kunitz and David Perron. And, I mean, that's a filthy top six, one of the scariest-looking ones in the league. So. Uh, you know, they may not have the greatest defense, but their offense might be the greatest one in the league. Um, the Rangers, I agree with what Thomas said. You know, they'll have a uh, a pretty good year. Maybe not 
as good as last year, but they still have a really great team there. Um, after that, Islanders, I think they have they have what it takes to make the playoffs. Uh, Columbus, I don't know. I could see them making the playoffs if they stay healthy. Um, Carolina, they're taking steps in the right direction. I think it would be wise to start trading away some of their veteran guys and say, hey, this is Lindholm's team, this is Eddie Lack's team, something like that. Um, and then New Jersey Devils, poor guys. If it wasn't for Schneider, uh, I think they would be the shoe-in to get Austin Matthews this year. <laughs> uh, and then there's the Flyers. I forgot to mention them. They're just uh, middle of the pack, you know, Columbus Blue Jackets. I look at them and the Flyers, and I think, you know, they both have a chance of making it, but I don't know about – I wouldn't place any money on it. Yeah, all good points that you made there. And, uh, you know, going over to the West, uh, we look at the Central. The Central is uh, kind of like the Metropolitan. You've got a bunch of stacked-up teams here that could make the playoffs, Eddie. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, for me, the two teams really that I zone in on this uh, uh, division is going to be Chicago and Dallas. Um, Chicago – Obviously, with all the subtractions of the players that went to, to Dallas, was a big factor. Um, the Kane situation, obviously, uh, they can't. We've talked about that at length. In uh, I think Chicago still makes the playoffs, but I, I think St. Louis and Nashville are going to be ahead of them. Um, but I also think Dallas uh, could come in and surprise and make the playoffs. So those are kind of the teams that I'm looking at: St. Louis, Nashville, and Chicago, and Dallas in this division. What do you think? Well, if seven teams could make the playoffs, I think all seven teams in the Central Division have a shot at making the playoffs, and you know, that just means that you know, you know, two or three really good teams are, are going to miss the playoffs in this division, and you know, it's hard to see St. Louis being dethroned from Central Division champions. You know, Tarasenko just teared it up last year, and you know, he can only improve from here, and you know, he has a real shot at scoring close to fifty this year, if not more, and. You know, playing online uh, with Statsny and preseason, they were dynamite too. So I, I think that they're definitely going to be the Central Division champions. Uh, you know, if if any two teams are are going to regress a bit, I think you know Nashville is still going to make the playoffs. But um, you know, a lot of things went right for them last year, and you know they have a great team. Philip Forsberg, you know, had a great season and you know kind of regressed a bit in, in the second half, but he'll come out and, and have another good season. James Neal, uh, you know, he'll have a great season too. Former forty goal scorer with. The, the Pittsburgh Penguins, so you know they'll still be good, and, and with Pecker in a and that you can't go wrong. But I think uh, with with Chicago, if this Kane situation gets to their team, uh, I mean, you, know, you got a leader like Jonathan Taves, so I don't think it's going to bother them too much. But uh, a lot of turnover in the lineup, losing Patrick Sharp, but you know they brought in a promising player from the KHL and, and Artemi Panarin, so I think you know they'll still be up there and, and probably claim that third spot. But then you look at the Dallas Stars as well, and. The, the recipients of, of Patrick Sharp and, and, you know, talking about how Pittsburgh had uh, that, you know, dangerous top six. You've got Jamie Benn, uh, Tyler Sagan, and Patrick Sharp playing on, on one line. And then the second line, you've got Spezza, Nachuskin, and, and Hemsky. So that, that top six right there, a team that scored 261 goals last year, is is going to possibly score more goals than, than they did. So I think their only issue might be on uh, on defense, but... Uh, you know, adding Johnny Oduya and and then having a one-two in that of of Lettinen and Niemi can't hurt. So you know they could possibly fight for for any of those top three spots in, in the Central. And then, unfortunately, um, you know you look at Winnipeg who made the playoffs last year. I think they were going to be on the outside looking in this year. Though they they might make a fight for it, but having to play so many of these, you know, top Central Division teams this year is going to hurt them. And I, I think not having uh, 
a clear number one goalie and you know having a lot of young guys you know making the lineup this year it's going to be difficult for them to make it and uh, Minnesota's in, in the same boat. Uh, they started off so strong last year and, and you know kind of faded away near the end of the season, but they, they still did make the playoffs and um, you know they have a great team and, and a lot of people talked about them when, when they made those moves and, and brought in Parise and, and brought in Suter that you know they'd be cup favorites for uh, the, you know a couple seasons after that if not longer. but you know they, they've kind of disappointed and they haven't really made it that far in the playoffs and you know the, the central keeps getting tougher every year and I think it's going to be hard for them and you know, you finally you get to, to the Colorado Avalanche who finished top in the Central two years ago, and it's hard to believe that that they finished so badly last year. But you know they, they had a lot of issues. I mean, McKinnon had a, a really bad second season compared to his first one, and Varlamov was was the same way. And you know they they have a lot of talent in their team too. And it, it's such a tough division division to to judge who's going to make the playoffs. I think all seven of these teams have a chance, and you know it really comes down to which team it is going to fall flat in their face this year that, that they're not going to make it. Thomas, what do you think? You feel the same way? It's going to be a pretty tough division with all seven of these teams? Yeah. Um, so for the Metropolitan Division, I won't be surprised if five teams make the playoffs. In the Central Division, I'm expecting five teams to make the playoffs. I think this is the deepest division in hockey, bar none. Um, I think there's so much talent. Um, honestly... Other than Chicago making the playoffs, um, I could see any of the rest of them missing the playoffs or making it. Um, I think Colorado will probably finish last because everyone else is so good. But it wouldn't surprise me if they finish on top of that division between Varlamov, between Duchesne, between McKinnon, between Landeskog. They have a very, very good young team over there. Um, So I think it can be in any order. Um, Personally, I have my top three teams as St. Louis, Chicago, and Nashville. Um, Tarasenko is just becoming an absolute beast. He's scoring 40 goals this year, if not 50. Um, Chicago is Chicago. Either, even if tomorrow they lose Patrick Kane for the rest of the season, whether it be from the legal proceedings or even just from an injury, if they lose him, I still think they are good enough to make the playoffs, no questions asked. They are such a deep, fantastic team. You've got Taze, you have Hosa, you have Keith. They are very, very good and very, very scary. Um, Nashville was good last year. They did sputter towards the end um, after his injury and after his return. But Pekka Rene, if he's back on form this year, will be a Vesna candidate most likely. You have Trey Weber, who um, I think is one of the top three defensemen in the league today. He just does everything so well. And they have good, young, talented forwards like Fleet Forsberg that are incredibly deep on offense, and that is their weakness. Um, but I still think they're probably the third best team. Uh, after that, I think Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Dallas are the next three best teams. Um, Dallas, like you said, they might score even more goals this year than they did last year, and that's a terrifying prospect. They're just going to light it up. Um, I'm not a big believer in either of the two goaltenders they have, and they're also spending a lot of money for their two goalies. I believe the cap hit is a combined something like $10 million. Um, But offensively, this team is just so dangerous, and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And as long as they're not playing the Ducks, I'm going to enjoy watching this team a lot next season. Um, (laughs) For Minnesota, it all comes down to Devin Dubnik. They have a very, very, very good defense and an okay offense. Um, Dubnik is the question mark here. If he can do what he did over the last 30 games of last season, they're going to be a great team to be in the playoffs. If he sputters like he has done previously in Edmonton or Phoenix, they are not going to be good and will not make the playoffs. Um, I don't think he'll put up those elite numbers he did last season, but I still think he will be good enough behind that defense to make the playoffs. Um... Winnipeg, it won't shock me if they miss the play- 
if they miss the playoffs this year just because of how good the Central is. But they have so many good young prospects coming up and so much good young talent on that team that uh, I do think they have a very good chance at making it back there. And if they do, I hope they don't face the Ducks because I would actually really enjoy cheering for them in the playoffs this year. And Adam, what do you think about the Central? Um, I, I got to go with St. Louis Blues probably to take Central. They have a scary good offense. Um, you know, they can hit you, David Backus. You know, they can score on you like Tarasenko. Man, that guy's just unbelievable to watch. Um, and then they, you know, they lost Oshie, but he didn't really do good last year. So they, they brought in Brower, who can score, and provide kind of that gritty game for you. They just have a very good offense and an excellent defense, just an excellent defense with Petrangelo and Shattenkirk. Um, great duo there. Um, Goaltending-wise, they, they're they solid. You know, They're not spectacular, but they're solid. So I, I can see them taking it. Um, Nashville, I don't want to be too much of a homer here, but they could just as, they could just as easily take Central. Uh, they have a top... 10 goalie, maybe top five goalie, definitely when he's on in his prime, or when he's playing his prime, uh, Pecorine. They have, next to Seabrook and Keith, the greatest defensive duo in the NHL, in Roman Josie and uh, Shea Weber. Those guys are unbelievable to watch. Shea Weber is just a true defenseman's defenseman, unbelievable to watch. And then Roman Josie, uh, the guy could play forward. I mean, he's just incredible to watch. They... Uh, one big problem with Nashville is center depth. Their starting center is Mike Ribeiro, 35 years old. Um, that's questionable, very questionable. I don't know if he has what it takes to be a top center in this league, and that definitely would show in the playoffs. Um, but they do have younger guys uh, like Philip Forsberg, and they have um, veteran players like James Neal who can really score some uh, goals for you. So th- they have a good team. Overall, definitely could take Central. The big question mark there is centers. Uh, Minnesota Wild, it all depends on Dubnik. Can he repeat his performance? If he does or if he even comes close, they're a lock to the playoffs, definitely. Uh, Chicago, I think they have what it takes to, to win Central, but I just don't think they will. I don't think they could top St. Louis or Nashville. Uh, I see them taking third or maybe second in Central. Definitely a playoff team. How far they go, we just don't know. Um, Colorado, they, they could make the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. They're a middle-of-the-road team. Dallas Stars, uh, they'll make the playoffs this year. Ben and Sagan, they're just, they're just a great duo to watch. Again, they have a great duo there, um, scoring goals left and right. Scary to play against. Scary to play against. And then Winnipeg. Um, you know, we got to see them in the playoffs last year and, and see how passionate the fan base is. And, um, you know, if it wasn't them playing the Ducks, I would have almost been going for them. It's just such a good story and such a good a good town that loves their hockey. Um, what, they're, what they're putting on the ice is a decent team that could make the playoffs, but just like Colorado, they could, they could just as easily miss it. So Central Division has a lot of question marks for me. I think the top... Three, four teams, you know, are going to be Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, and Minnesota. Um, the only one that I, I say could very easily not make the playoffs is Colorado. But then again, that's also a big question mark. It's a very interesting division. 
Yeah, I think it's a consensus among all of us. This division is one that, you know, anybody could end up first all the way down to seventh. And and like Thomas pointed out, most likely, you know, uh, five teams could make it out of this uh, division. So if that happens, then we switch to the Pacific, Eddie, and that would, you know, mean only maybe three teams make it out of this. Um, what do you think about the Pacific? I, I know you don't think the Ducks are going to make it, uh, you know, that far, but uh, what do you think? Well, you know, you look at all the consensus picks around the league, and and you know, most everybody has as the Ducks winning the cup this year, and I think that's for a good reason. And I you know I think we all would agree that that they have the best chance of winning the Pacific this this year. You know, the the depth and forward, and you know, the the young decor, which was what everybody you know planned out as being our, our issue last year. You know, that they, they they were amazing. They were great in the playoffs. You just couldn't one one game away from from making it to the Stanley Cup Finals, which you know uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and you know how how much weaker the the East was compared to to the West last year. I, I think you know they would have had a really good chance of winning the Cup. So um, you know the the consensus pick I think for everybody would be Anaheim number one. And you know from there on though, the, there's a lot of question marks in the Pacific Division. Uh, Vancouver finished second last year. Um, you know the Sedins are one year older. Uh, Ryan Miller's one year older. Verbata's a year older. Spies is still on their blue line. So I, I think having, you know, and, and there's a lot of young guys making the lineup this year. Uh, Jared McCann, who they got um, in, in the trade for Ryan Kessler, um, is a great young center. Uh, Jake Vertanen um, had a great you know preseason playing with Sven Berchi and, and Bo Horvat. And, you know, there's a lot of turnover in that organization and you know, a lot of question marks with their older players. So I think if they miss the playoffs, it wouldn't be too surprising. I think... You know what you've seen from from them bringing up a lot of young guys. I think they're okay if they don't make the playoffs this year. And you know everybody's big surprise last year the the, the Calgary Flames. Um, you know bringing in Sam Bennett into the fold, who they didn't see in, until late in the season and into the playoffs last year because of injury. That that's going to be a big boost for them. And you know Sean Monahan into another season. Johnny Goodrow, uh, Hoodler's back. Uh, Giordano's healthy. Uh, it looks like Ramos actually going to be their starting goalie and and Hiller as the backup, but that could change throughout the season. So I think I think they're probably in, in the in the top two, but you know you can't count out the the other two California teams in in LA who struggled massively last season, missed the playoffs. Uh, you know bringing in Lucic and Toffoli and, and Pearson will have another uh, year in the league, and you know Kopitar is in a contract season, so that could help him, but it also could hinder him if it's a distraction. And you know Carter and Gabrick and. You know, one of the top five goalies in the, in the league, and Jonathan Quick. I think you know there's a good chance that they make the playoffs too. And you know everybody's uh, surprised. I think this year a lot of people are picking them as, as a surprise team. And you know that's the, the San Jose Sharks. And uh, Pavelski just got named the captain. You know Thornton's still there. The, the core of the team's still there. But you know I think the the big thing is is bringing in a top scorer in, in the the Finnish Elite League last year and um, uh, Donsky or. Um, and he looks to be playing on, on that first line with them. It, it's going to be interesting to see how well he does, and then obviously bringing in uh, Martin Jones from LA and then from Boston uh, during the draft. Uh, if he can really be a number one starter after uh, losing Antti Niemi, that's the big question there. And then you get to the bottom feeders of the Pacific Division: um, Edmonton, really bringing in uh, Connor McDavid, Cam Talbot. Um, you know. Over overdriving their uh, their you know, management staff, bringing in Peter Shirelli and and McClellan from from the San Jose Sharks. Um, you know it's going to be another struggle for them this season. Uh, I could see them being similar to Dallas last year, where they're going to put up a lot of goals, but they're going to concede you know pretty much similar to how many goals they did last year. 
Um, and then it comes to the perennial favorites for Austin Matthews. And I think, you know, the Arizona Coyotes are, are definitely in a position to, to get him. And, you know, they really want him as well. You know, a Glendale native, um, I think he'd be a big, a good fit for them. And, you know, they'll probably tank for most of the season anyway. Thomas, what do you think? Uh, you know, uh, you go uh, Ducks up top, and then uh, how, what about the rest of the pack? So, for me, when it comes to the Ducks, um, I don't like making predictions about them because I don't want to jinx the team because I am <laughs> superstitious like that. Um, but what I will speak to the team is expectations, and I expect them to make the playoffs this year. They should um, be the top, one of the top three teams in the Pacific, uh, barring injury. Um on offense, they're very, very deep. Uh, defense, we've gone over. This young talent, so good. Um, Freddie Anderson, he's not an elite goaltender yet, but he's a very, very good young starter. He's only entering his third season, and he's just going to keep getting better. We have Kudobin, who is uh, an excellent backup, and is going to push Anderson to be even better every single night he plays. Um, so they should, be, as long as they remain healthy enough, they should be a top three team in this division and have, I think, very, very good odds to win it. Um, after that, I think both Calgary and L.A. will round out this division. Um, as I've said before on this podcast this summer, I think Calgary had one of the best summers in terms of uh, player personnel of what they've added. And Dougie Hamilton is a phenomenal young defenseman. And paired with Mark Giordano, they are going to have a very, very good defense. Um, to me, the biggest question at Calgary is goaltending. Um, for now, it seems like they've settled it, but we'll see what happens going forward. Um, L.A., they barely missed the playoffs last year and they were just god-awful in the overtime and shootout. If they just win a couple of those, they're in the playoffs last season, and I firmly believe they'll be back there this year. Um, Milan Lucic, I think, has gone after this season simply because it's going to be really difficult to sign him to a contract, but he's going to make them uh, a very dangerous, very scary team to play against most nights because he's going to score, he's going to hit, he's going to fight. Um, so I think those are the top three teams in the division. Uh, I think Vancouver is the one who's going to take the farthest step back um, and you've got the scenes, uh, so you can never completely count them out as long as they have those two producing points at an elite level. But I do think they are taking a step back this season. Um, San Jose, they're a tough team to read. Uh, they have a very excellent core in place, um, but both Marlowe and Thornton are not getting any younger. Um, if Pavelski, if Hurdle, if all the other young players we've seen over these, if they step up and take over this team, I think the Sharks are back in the playoffs. But if this is still Thornton and Marlowe's team at the end of the season, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just end up missing it entirely again. Um, for my money, the Oilers are going to be the most exciting team to watch this season. Uh, if the Ducks aren't playing and the Oilers are, I'm turning them on. I really want to see what this kid McDavid can do after all the hype they've been saying for the last two, maybe three years. So I want to watch them whenever possible. Um, I don't think they're going to be good, but similar to Buffalo, I think they're going to uh, improve significantly. Uh, their defense, while it's not all-star caliber, um, is a significant upgrade over last season. Uh, Andre Sikara, he's not a top-ranked defenseman, but he's going to help stabilize that blue line significantly. So they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, they won't make the playoffs, but they're going to make, I think, the first steps of getting back to the playoffs. And I think uh, in one or two years, we will see them back in the playoffs most likely. Uh, unfortunately, Arizona, I think they are the weak link in the Pacific. Um, they just don't have a good team this year. But they have so many good young prospects both on their roster and um, in the minors and in juniors, that in a few years they could be a very, very, very good team. But until that happens, unfortunately, um, they just simply won't be. Uh, unfortunately for them, the NHL is changing the rules for the uh, draft lottery. So if you finish uh, last in the league, I believe the lottery makes it so 
you could actually drop all the way down to uh, fourth or fifth in the draft. So even if they try and tank for Matthews, the odds of getting him are not what it would have been in previous years. So I think they're going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be trying to tank. It's just they're going to be that bad this season. And Adam, what do you think on the Pacific? How do you think it's going to shake out? Uh, ducks on top. I mean, it's really hard to bet against them, and I'm, I'm being as unbiased as I could possibly be. <laughs> if I hated the Ducks, I would still say it would be unwise to say that they don't win when you look at the other teams and what happens. I mean, you have an incredible goalie, not not quite elite like Thomas said, not quite elite yet, but you have an incredible goalie, a solid backup, a good young defense with a couple of good veterans in there. You know, losing Boschman kind of sucked, and he was a, a favorite of mine. But uh, Bieksa can step in there, and, and uh, having a right-handed shot to work with Lindholm, I think, will do wonders for him. Um, offensively, you have Corey Perry. I mean, he's he's a top-10 uh, scorer in the league. He really is, and gets off can be, too, as well. Uh, and then they have Kessler and Silverberg and, and Hagelin. I just don't see how you could not... Um, pick the Ducks to win Pacific. They're just going to be that good. After that, I do think it would be unwise to uh, count the Los Angeles Kings out. Um, they still have a, a really solid team. I don't think their they're run in the playoffs is over. You know, they did miss the playoffs last year, but I don't think that that means like, oh, their cup window's over, you know, because they still have Jonathan Quick, amazing goaltender. They still have uh, Drew Doughty, amazing defenseman. They have Anze Kopitar, who's constantly in talks as one of the you know uh, best two-way forwards in the game. Uh, I just don't see how they could miss the playoffs this year unless something happens like it did last year. Uh, after that, Calgary Flames, they have a great young team. Dougie Hamilton and Mark Giordano on that blue line. It just it looks really great. Um, Sean Monaghan, Yuri Hudler, he had a great year last year. I don't know if he could perform like that again, but it'd be really cool if he did. Uh, and, and Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, you know, they just have a really good team on paper, and I, I don't see how that can't translate to a good regular season. They'll make the playoffs. Um, Vancouver, they have taken a step back. Steams are still there, though. Um, Ryan, Ryan Miller's still there, even though he's getting up there in age. They could make the playoffs. I don't think they will, but I don't think they're going to be the worst in the division, which is actually something that I've, I've seen and read a couple times. People think that Vancouver would be the worst. Um, San Jose, big question mark. I, I like what Thomas said. They have a really great core with Couture and, and Pavelski, Vlasic, and then Thornton and Marlowe. Um, but their starting goaltender is Martin Jones, and I just I don't know if he's going to be like, a guy who comes out of nowhere and owns everybody like Devin Dubnik, or he's going to be like the next Ben Scrivens who's like, oh, he could be good, but now he's in the AHL. So it's just a big question mark for me. Um, Edmonton Oilers, he'll be exciting to watch based on McDavid alone. The guy will be incredible to watch. I watch his highlight videos just to see. I believe the hype's real. He'll be incredible, but I don't think that he and the uh, offseason acquisitions are enough to really save Edmonton. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. They will be soon, not this year. Uh, and then Arizona, kind of kind of the same thing. Um, Arizona will have, you know, uh, Max Domi and Brandon Perlini, uh, Dvorak, to name a few young guys who are stepping in. But this year they have Shane Doan, uh, Mike Smith is their starting goaltender. I just... I don't see them making the playoffs in any situation whatsoever. But 
specific division. It's you know it's the division I watch the most just because of the Anaheim Ducks alone. But you know they they do have a couple of good teams in there. I do think that Anaheim, Calgary, and Los Angeles are going to be the top three teams. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the top three, uh, like most of us have been saying, is to, you know, obviously the Ducks. I mean, I'm not really going to repeat anything because we've all talked about the Ducks, uh, you know, all summer long. But obviously the Ducks are going to be up there, in my opinion. If not win the division, they're going to be, you know, uh, in the top uh, one or two, in my opinion. Um, I, I do think, like you guys are talking about, Calgary is going to be, you know, scary with Hamilton added in there, uh, Johnny Hockey as well. Uh, Rama or Hiller in the net, I think is going to be fine for Calgary. So I, I, I see Calgary being, you know, a tough team. They actually were the second, you know, highest uh, scoring team in the Pacific last year, one behind Vancouver. But, uh, you know, like we said, uh, I think Vancouver is going to slip a little. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but you can't count L.A. out. Uh, I know that they're a pretty uh, pissed off squad after what happened last year, not making the playoffs. They've been talking about it. And uh, we saw those games against the Ducks in the preseason. I mean, granted, it wasn't the full team on both sides. You know, the Ducks did win both games, but they both were two-to-one games. So, um, I mean, obviously they play each other tough, but I think the Kings are going to be a tough team, uh, and you can't deny the ability of quick. So I, I think Calgary and, and Los Angeles are going to be uh, in the top three as well, like everybody's mentioned. And uh, the team to watch, I just think you got to go back to Edmonton for all the above-stated reasons, as everybody else has said. It's going to be interesting to see the rookie um, – um, David in there and see how he does. Uh, Edmonton may be another one of those teams that will score a lot of goals but give up a lot of goals. So there'll be some fun hockey coming out of there as well. Um, kind of to round up the uh, the podcast, we have a couple uh, things that happened in the league. Uh, one of the uh, latest newses that came out, uh, Thomas, was uh, Martin Brodeur retired. Um, what are your thoughts on Brodeur? You know, he was a nemesis for the Ducks in 2003, but a uh, great goalie nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, regardless of personal feelings for Martin Brodeur, he is one of the top goaltenders ever to play in the NHL. No questions asked. Um, some believe he's the best. Some believe he's second. Um, a few say third, but there's no question. He's one of the top three goaltenders of all time, um, and he absolutely deserves to have his number retired in New Jersey. Um, personally, I wish he had finished his career in New Jersey and hadn't left. Uh, that, to me, feels... Weird and wrong because he only played a few games uh, in St. Louis. But, you know, he was double for almost his entire career. That's how he was going to be remembered. His number should be retired there. No one else should ever wear that um, playing for the Devils because he is simply one of the best players ever to play that position. I agree. And uh, some other news, too, as well. We, we talked about Torres and all his uh, situation. And, uh, Adam, I know another one of your favorite players, uh, Sean Avery, was in the news uh, uh, you know, he had a little uh, drug problem, so I don't know if you want to comment. We talked about you and I talked about him before the podcast. Anything you want to want to say hi uh, to Avery or anything you want to say? Um, I can't really repeat any of the things we said before the <laughs> podcast. But, uh, you know, he's not in hockey anymore. God bless America. And I just he's so disappointing because I mean, like, there's you know there are there are agitators in hockey. Uh, we have Corey Perry, you know. Um, there are dirty players in hockey, uh, Matt Cook, uh, Rafi Torres, you know, uh, and then there's Sean Avery. He, he manages to be this strange combination of on and off the ice agitating, which can be funny. It could be inappropriate. It could be just plain old stupid. And then he's also 
just to like a, a cheater. I mean, like he, he just straight up cheats, you know? I mean, they, they named a, a rule after him and <laughs> it's not something he should really be proud of. It's not a really good rule to be named after. He's just, he's just so disappointing to see someone, you know, play in a league that I, I always thought of as being the most professional league in uh, North American sports in the NHL, you know, and to have this guy come through and just kind of taint that with, with Sean Avery-ness walking around. It's just kind of disappointing. And so it's not shocking whatsoever to see that that, that happened. Um, it's not something I would rejoice in. I don't I don't hate him personally where I take joy in his uh, in his pain or anything. But, you know, it was definitely just I saw the article and I thought, oh, well, I'm surprised that didn't happen earlier. And I moved on with my life. Um, <laughs> not surprising at all. And, uh, Eddie, the, the other news that came out recently in the NHL was Zach Cassian, uh, you know, ended up getting suspended, got into an accident, um, checked himself into a substance abuse program uh, through the NHL. Uh, what do you think about this? A, a little bit more of a surprise with Cassian, or what do you think? You know, I, I guess it is a surprise, but I think it's good for him that, that he chose to focus on himself over hockey and, and decide to check himself into rehab. So, you know, I think it's a good good move by him, and... Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say it's a, a surprise or, or not. I mean, he he's had a history uh, uh, of stuff off the ice, um, you know, before. So I, I think him him doing this is a good step forward for him and and, and his career. And that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Uh, two last things to mention: uh, this Saturday, uh, when the Ducks play the Sharks, we confirmed it. We were gonna have a watch party. Uh, our first one ever at the uh, El Ranchito restaurant in Orange, uh, in the Orange Circle. Um, I posted a little article on it tonight with all the information on there. Uh, the website's linked up on there. And if you have any questions, you can email us or um, you know hit me up on uh, any of the social media. But uh, I plan to get there a little early. It gets a little crowded. Uh, the game's at 730. Uh, the address is 182 um, South Street in Orange. Uh, South Orange Street in, uh, in the city of Orange. And uh, I try to get there maybe an hour or so before the game. Uh, we'll be giving away some stuff as well and uh, just basically hanging out and having a good time. Um, and the last thing is we have our last uh, part of the contest for opening night. Uh, if you listen to the last two podcasts, we talked about some keywords at the end of each one. Uh, the, tonight's keyword is let's, L-E-T apostrophe S, let's. So if you listen to the, uh, the other two uh, podcasts and you have the phrase together when you, th- when you think you have it, just send us an email at info at ducksandpucks.com. We'll keep that open through uh, this week. And on Saturday, we will announce the winner that will be randomly chosen. We'll email you the two tickets. Uh, it'll be on the side that the Ducks attack twice. Uh, aisle seats. So it'll be uh, some good seats that we got for you. And uh, we'll be here every week. Um, you know, Eddie and I will be doing this stuff regularly. I appreciate Thomas and Adam coming on. They come on throughout the year as well. And uh, let's go, Ducks.